that time, there was a lot of people that was using what we call pencil genocide. In other words, they were changing documents in the town halls and this and that. And uh, unless you had some question about it, you didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know it. You know what, brother? If you were to walk into any mosque in America and you just laid your hands on the first person or the third person or the fifth person, that you see, you realize that you're laying your hands on a Native American? I believe. There were only 8% of the slaves that came to America. So how is it that there are so many more people that they claim are black or African American? I think they got the numbers wrong because a lot of Native Americans are the ones that they're counting as black folks too. A lot of Native Americans are the ones that they're counting as black folks too. A lot of Native Americans are the ones that they're counting as black folks too. Welcome to Real Black Eyes and the Swan Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, we're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about some history because I want to give you guys a source, right? You know, every time we have these conversations, we'll be talking about history and um, blacks in America prior to the slave trade, prior to Columbus. It's imperative, family, that you um, you save these sources, right? Because these sources is like bullets. So if you ever get into like a debate or have a conversation with somebody, you know exactly where to go. You know, it when it's your time to pose a question, you know exactly what question to put up and put forth. So you can actually come to a better understanding about yourself, your people, your legacy, your lineage in this country, man. Because it's just don't let nobody tell you that all your people got off a ship. History doesn't even bear witness of that. That's not that's not historically accurate. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, in today's conversation, we're going to do this, right? Because I was able to see a debate and uh, it was like a debate slash conversation. It was on Sarnetta's channel. If you're not familiar with Sarnetta, I mean, you know, go to the brother's channel, uh, like and subscribe. The same for uh, Top Cat. Uh, Big Chief Legendary Top Cat, his name is, right? I'm not familiar with him. I'm not going to act like it. But nevertheless, if you got a YouTube channel, go to his channel, like and subscribe. Or Jabari, right? Who, you know, whenever, whatever, right? But dig, though. I was able to take a listen into their conversation. It was pretty interesting, right? Um, I felt as though that Top Cat held his own. Again, I'm not familiar with the gentleman. But, you know, he kind of like, um, he was able to use that platform to get his point across, which was the uh, I feel like it's the most important thing to do. I felt like um, there was some gotcha moments where he could have um, he could have like he could have shut some things down because at the very end of the conversation, they start talking about DNA. Now, I'm not exactly sure about, again, Tom Cat, his position, nothing like that. But a lot of these Aboriginal community guys, they don't talk about DNA. Which is okay. That's your prerogative, right? But dig this, though. 
I feel as though in my estimate, even if you do not care about something or you're not interested in something or you feel like something is a hoax, do your due diligence to learn about what it is. Because at the very end of this conversation slash debate, when they start pointing out the DNA, to me, that would have been a gotcha moment. I'd have been like, oh, okay, I got them now because they pulled out this old, <laughs> hey, you know, hey, man, y'all know how big VJ do it. I was like, yo, they pulled out this janky-ass DNA test. I'm going to show and prove because obviously our people do not know what those numbers mean. They can't. But, you know, we're going to have a conversation and we're going to go over some numbers. And uh, I'm going to show you guys what those numbers mean, right? That's going to be at the end of this conversation. You know, also, I want to say this, right? This is to any of these Aboriginal guys that call themselves going on some other platform or anybody, you know, one of these pro-black guys platforms. Uh, you got to know this, two things in particular, right? You got to know that they're not going to be interested in your genealogy. I know it's real to you. I know this is how you get. This is how any people, civilized people on the planet, get the knowledge of themselves. It comes from their family. It does not come from a book that foreigners write, right? But when you talk to these Afrocentric guys, you just gotta know. No, they do. They don't do it that way. They believe in the devil. They believe in the so-called white man. So to prove your point, you have to get a book from a so-called white man and show him where your people come from, because. The only reason these Afrocentric guys believe that 100 million people came from Africa or was involved in the slave trade all the way down to 12 million, they lose 88 million people. And when I talk about these occurrences, I'm talking about from W.E.B. Du Bois, who said there was 100 million Africans involved in the slave trade all the way down to, to Gates. Right. Henry Gates, who said it was 12 million, they lose 88 million people. But the way that they got that information was through a book, if not a television program, period. Right. E even this. Right. I, I share this with you. Dig this. On Real Black Content is Forum podcast. We do not make any original thought. All of our conversations come out of the comments. The comments is the fuel and the engine to the machine. So much so that when I talk about other topics, my brothers and sisters in the comments to say, you know, <laughs> I had a brother say, Ivy. You know, you did your you, you did your thing, you spoke your piece. Now let's get back to history. <laughs> Straight up, like, cause they know the comments is the engine of you to the machine. They know this. But even that though, right? Even that the comments are so important on this platform that some people may feel as though that I'm blocking their comments or I'm not allowing their comments to be posted. And that's just not me. That's a YouTube thing. If you uh, overwriting or if you have uh, certain words or you're copying and pasting things to me I feel like um, you, YouTube is kind of recognizing that as a red flag and they scamming the comments they're saying it's a scam and it's not real um, so again I encourage you to put them up because sometimes I can see them on the back side and you know you guys know I can screenshot it and then put it up in the community section just to make sure that you get your voices heard because that's what this platform is all about. But dig though, um, it's not to be combative in the comments. If we're gonna take the time to make comments, we gotta be honest. We gotta be honest with ourselves, right? I'm not interested in men having a um 
a low vibration in like a female spirit in the comments, meaning they're argumentative. That's that's not what we're here for. We're not we don't we don't win a gold prize for proving our point. That's not you got to go to one of these other platforms if you just want to be argumentative. I got, you know, guys that shit. I've seen bootlegging Negroes in the comments arguing about the intro. Arguing about how they folks from Africa. And when you ask them in the comments, you say, well, okay, beloved, your people from Africa, when did they get here? The honest question is, when did they get here? You ain't got to give me a date. Just give me a century. Your folks came from Africa. Give me the, give me the, the, within a hundred year window. Just say, hey, they got here in the 1600s, 1700s, whatever. Just give me something. Don't give me the, uh, yo, when I ask you when your people got here, all this girly mouth. Oh, they got here when your people got here. See, now we we turning this platform to something that is not. That's not what this. We don't do that here, beloved. If you be honest with yourself and say, "Listen, I don't know when my people got here from Africa. I don't know. Don't tell me. I don't know. I, it can't be no century. I have thousands of ancestors from Africa. Okay, if you got thousands, beloved, just name me one. I'm asking for one. If you got thousands of ancestors from Africa, you a black man in America, a sister in America, y'all got thousands of ancestors from America, from Africa, pardon me, that came over here on the slave trade. I'm asking for one. Just one. So that means I'm asking for 10% of 10% of 10%. They don't know. They don't even know that. It got to be odd to you that you don't know that. Because the minute I ask you that in the comments and you say, hey, VJ, look, bro, I don't I believe I'm from Africa. I believe my family from Africa. They taught me that in public school. I believe it, brother. Uh, I watch Roots. You know, I was I was like Alex Haley. V. I was trying to find my roots, but I really can't prove it. Then post that and you leave it there. More people is going to look at all the comments like I do when I go to people's channel and they're going to see because everybody got the same story. None of us got this story for my family. We just got to be honest enough to just come out and say it. I mean, just say we got it from public school. If you got it from public school, say, man, they taught me that in school. Because the things that they teach us in public school about the slave trade, brother, it don't make no sense when you sit back and think about it. This landmass got populated by people that crossed the Bering Strait. That don't make no sense. They brought 100 million Africans over here on the slave trade on these wooden boats and they sailed over the Atlantic. That don't make no sense. Right. Um, they teach you stuff like um, in public school. They say things like, uh, you know, they teach you about Kemet. Uh, and they say, you know, Kemet means land of the blacks when you do a little research because they're going to show you Egypt. And then they show you the Sudan, Bilal Sudan. And you learn in school that that just means land of the blacks. That's what that's what the Sudan means. And then they teach you about Ethiopia. And then you do a research on the Ethiopia and they teach you, you know, okay, that means the Greeks called it um, the burnt skin people, right? People with the burnt skin and burnt faces, which is black folks. Then they teach you about Central Africa, which is Niger, right? Niger, which means black. You know what I'm saying? Then they show you West Africa and they show you Negro land. But, you know, they, they show you all these places in Africa that mean the land of the blacks. But they don't show you ECAB in the Americas. ECAB in the Americas. That mean land of the blacks, too. Now, why does ECAB mean land of the blacks if there's no black people there? These are questions you got to ask yourself. Yeah, I understand, bro. I know they showed you that they had the Mandingo people in Africa. 
They didn't show you the Mandingo people in the Americas, though. I get it. They showed you the Congo people in Africa. They didn't show you that there was Congo people in the Americas. I get it. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I get it, bro. That's when you got to do your due diligence, man. And you got to find out yourself. Yo, they do the most puzzling thing to me when they talk about the slave trade, right? Dig this. They make us think that Africans and Europeans just ran into each other 500 years ago, 600 years ago. In the same breath, they'll look you in the face and tell you, yo, these Africans lived in Africa for 100,000 years. These Europeans, you know, these so-called white folks lived in Europe for 100,000 years. And then they make you think through public school, they just bumped into each other in the 1400s. They just bumped into each other in the 1500s. Like, they had no relationship with each other. They didn't know each other. They wasn't doing no business with each other. Like, they just make it look like that. And they didn't run into each other and start doing real business until it was time to do the slave trade. No, bro, they don't make no sense. They live right next door. You don't think they knew each other? They knew the African Negro. The Negro that they didn't know was you. They didn't know no Negroes from the Americas. You not their friend, bro. They don't know you. You the one that they don't know. This is why when Christopher Columbus came here and he, and he went back to Europe, he talked to the leadership. He said, man, I could take the place over with 50 men. He didn't say he could take Nigeria over or Yoruba land with 50 men. Or he going to take the Igbos over with 50 men. Or he going to say he going to take the Ashantis over with 50 men. They already knew them people in Africa. No, no, no. When he came to Santo Domingo, he said, yo, I could take this place over with 50 men. Just you got to make it make sense, bro. Then you got to look at that photo of those Indians that they drew. And they put in that church over there. In Europe, if I'm not mistaken, it's in Spain or Portugal, one of the two. And you can clearly see that the people that Columbus took back was dark-skinned people with afros, man. Come on, it's just, it's, it's not hard. It's not hard. But we're going to have a good conversation today, right? We, you know, I can, we can talk about history, man. I can talk about it for a minute. It's not hard. Um, I just want to say this, right? On Real Black Content is Fun Podcast, we always show and prove that when we talk about black folks in the Americas, right? In the Americas, we was in Central America, South America, and the islands. And then you got the wilderness of North America, primarily California, what we call Florida, and on the backside of the Carolinas. This is off the Atlantic, right? Let's just say the Atlantic, right? Then we showed and proved that they had a Moorish settlement in Texas. Nobody ever talked about then we showed and proved that um, they had another more settlement in northeast portion of the United States. Nobody never talks about that. Then we showed and proved how Montezuma, right, was uh, dubbed as the Moorish king. But nobody never talked about that because they even said that they changed that title to quote unquote Indian. They called him something different. Then we made then we briefly discussed Vincent Goretta, who was. Uh, he was an original man. He was a black man, black indigenous man. He was the president of Mexico. But nobody never talks about this stuff. See, they don't teach you that in public school. In public school, you're still running around thinking that George Washington was the first president. That's what public school teach you. In public school, you still run around talking about the Louisiana Purchase. <laughs> I did the, the Louisiana Unpurchased. <laughs> Hey, what did they? What did the? What did the, uh, the United States buy? 
what was it Bourbon Street? But was it Canal Street? It's one of the streets down in the uh in the Warren. They it got to be Bourbon Street, right? Me and my peoples went one on and we kicked in on Bourbon Street one time. I think that's all that they bought down there. They didn't buy nothing. The whole thing, but yo, dig the whole. It's everything is a farce, man. Everything they talk about is a. Everybody's a former African slave, right? You know, uh, Benjamin Banneker is a former African slave, and he can he designed all of DC. It doesn't. It makes it just that doesn't ring a bell to us. That that doesn't make any sense. You know, the first uh, person over the fur business, the fur industries, where you wear mink coats and mink jackets and all that. He was an indigenous black man from the Americas. We don't talk about that kind of stuff, though. Public school only going to take you so far, man. It's not going to really. You got to dig in these books and do it yourself, right? So, you know, that's what we stand on in this platform. But dig this, though. If you are an Aboriginal community guy and you want to go on sign in this platform or one of these Afrocentric platforms, because, uh, again, going back to the Jabari and the uh, Big Chief Top Cat conversation, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, also, you know, those three gentlemen, uh, Sonetta, uh, Jabari, and Top Cat, uh, if you haven't already, go to their platform and subscribe, hit the like button, do all of that good stuff, you know, follow their platforms, right? Um. But I, again, I want to say this, you know, um, there was a time in the conversation they talked about DNA. If you are an Aboriginal guy, you do not agree with DNA. Again, still do your due diligence to learn about it. So you can at least have a good conversation, because, again, I watched that that um, when I watched that that debate, it was a gotcha moment for me. Man, they better never pull no DNA test results out on me. And I see certain things. It's it. It's over with. You know what I'm saying? It's, but they won't let me on no platforms like that. No way. So I ain't, I'm not worried about it. They're not going to let me on there. No way. Because, see, I come with a source. See, the thing that Top Cat did, and I feel like he did, he held his own, right? I think he did good because, see, Jabrari, he's not a good debater. He filibusters all the time. He's long-winded. He talks alone. You don't even know what he's talking about. And when he, you can really tell when he don't know what he's talking about because he, he kind of try to go to this condescending thing like oh man this guy's up here he don't belong what is he talking about like this doesn't make any sense like he goes through these like emotional kind of condescending kind of comments he does because he don't know right he don't know how to properly answer the question he never has a foundation he never has a true position he just don't have it you know what i'm saying you can kind of mop the floor with the guy but i like the way top can't handle him because he was condescending also you know what i'm saying Yo, but, but you got to know this, right? If you are coming from a position that there were black folks already in the Americas prior to Columbus, there were black folks in the Americas prior to the slave trade, those Afrocentric guys don't believe in your family's records. It's not good enough. You know, like most civilized people, they get their information from their families, right? Written down or old tradition. That's the average, regular, civilized you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like, this is standard. This is how you know who you are. You learn from your family who you are. That doesn't work with Afrocentric guys. They believe in so-called white folks. They believe in the devil. You got to show them some books that say what you say that you are. It got to be a, so you got to know the buzzwords. When you hear an Afrocentric guy say, well, it got to be from a credible source. He talking about, he wants you to name a so-called white man to, who wrote a book to validate what you said. 
that's what the, that's the buzzword. That's what when they start saying credible sources in this so-called conscious community, that means they want you to show them a book from a so-called devil. You better be able to pull that devil quick. I watched I watched this debate. This uh, young man, right? This young brother, Top Cat, he's literally going over his whole genealogy. And they like, and then Sineta come back and ask the guy, well, prove it. How could you prove that? You didn't prove nothing. And I'm just like, I get it. I, t I knew he was, and I, I'm thinking to myself, yo, bro, Top Cat, yo, bro, they don't, these guys don't believe in that. You better show them some devil from Cornell or, or Ohio State or Harvard or uh, Michigan or Eastern Michigan or New York State somewhere. That's who these guys follow. They like to hear, they like for strangers to tell them who they are. They love for a stranger to tell them who they are. They're not going to hear from you. They're not listening to Big Mama. They're not listening to Granddaddy. The devil told them that they came off a ship from Africa, and that's what they believe. They love him. The, listen, Mr. Muhammad already taught us, man. The messenger taught us, you love the devil because he gives you nothing. They're going to love the man that gives them nothing. They love this devil. He's the credible source to these guys. Whatever he say, they say. And this is the sad part about it. If this devil come out in the next five years and he starts talking about indigenous blacks, then they're going to all switch their tune. But it's not like they come out of a community that we don't discuss this already. Yo, this guy Jabari is from New York. He, You think he never heard of Malachi Z. York? Malachi Z. York, he got 100 years, right? Don't get me wrong. But when the brother was on the street, man, he been... Man, he been talking about this. He been talking about blacks in America prior to this. Late. He he been talking about that. You think this is the first? This man from New York, man. You never think he talked to any of the Moors. You know how big the Moorish community is in New York. That's all they talk about is blacks being in Americas prior to the slave trade, prior to Columbus. That's all they talk about up there. You think he never talked to no Moors before? It's not the first time these guys ever heard of that. They from New York. Of course they heard of it. Now you got the internet. They hear it all the time. It's offensive to them. They're Afrocentric guys, man. You got to understand, beloved, these brothers got their degrees in African-American studies. They got all these. They got elementary school jobs, high school jobs, junior college jobs, uh, four-year big university jobs. You think they finna give this all up for the truth? I remember there was a time, man, back in the 90s, man, you can go to any inner city. And these guys have so many books and DVDs uh, written about everything across the Atlantic. They talking about Timbuktu. They talking about West Africa. They talking about Kemet. Man, they talking about all that. Don't you know that this Afrocentric information is a million, multi-million dollar business? They're not going to let you ruin that for the truth. They walking around with ox on, man. They walking around with kente cloth. Go Google how much it costs for these real African expression clothing. Man, that stuff not cheap. They making that. They selling that. They changing their names, brother. Their name is Kwame Ashanti. And they changing their name to Mandela Jr. And all this old kind of stuff. Hey, man, it's big business in telling black folks they from Africa. It's big business in that. So what I'm going to do today, right? Because, you know. You, you have to, I'm going to give you guys a source because you always have to have bullets in your gun. Anytime you go on one of these Afrocentric platforms, they're going to ask you 
do you have any questions that's when you start pulling your sources out right then in that bank you got to have two questions on deck yo 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 check this out somebody send this to top cat right I, I i don't know the gentleman but somebody share this video with top cat because i'm just this is free game my brother i just want to i just want to put this on you young man i want to put this on you right when you talk to afrocentric guys in the so-called conscious community right the men and women online you should be able to smash them in a debate period there's no excuses i'm gonna tell you why all you have to do you not is that don't look at the person in front of you don't look at the person that you're facing just look at the teachers man all you got to do is pull out their teachers work and go to work on them it's a brother in my city man his name is sarah sudan right he's a big time afrocentric guy if i debated him today or tomorrow i know who his teachers is he don't know who my teachers is because you you know we come from a position where we get our information from the family so all I got to do is have about five or six sources loaded up, which I call bullets, have, you know, five or six bullets loaded up. And then I can just, I know what you coming from because I know who your teachers are. He followed a brother called Ashwa Crazy and then Dr. Henry Clark and Dr. Ben. It doesn't take much to pull those laces loose from those elders that passed away who are not ancestors because, um, you know, Dr. Henry Clark, he was the one running around talking about it was 100 million advocates in the slave trade. That's one of his teachers, beloved. There's a guy in hot water right now. His name is Polite, right? Uh, Polite? Polite, something like that, right? Something like that. But his teacher is Dr. Malakazi York. You know, that Dr. Malakazi York wrote some interesting things, bro, but that's his teacher. You can eat dude up because you know who his teacher is. Topcat got in a conversation with a guy named uh, Jabari Oziz. Jabari's teacher is a guy named James Turner. James Turner invented African-American studies, Africana studies, I should say. It didn't even exist until he made it up. All you got to do is go and see what his teacher taught. You know what he go for. That's it. It's just that simple, man. Right? But maybe that's a different story for a different day. Because, you know, we all going to learn, you know what I'm saying? You, you got to have at least, man, you go on these platforms, though. You got to have at least two questions ready that you know they can't handle. Anytime you talk to an Afrocentric guy, you this is the first question you ask. Them. You always ask these guys, who built the mounds? Who built the mounds? And why was the Negro skulls found in the mounds? And you stop and you let them talk. Have your source already ready. But you always start off with that question first. After that question, you say this. Okay, you ask them, when do they subscribe? Or what is their belief in when the first Africans got to the wilderness of North America? More often than not, these guys went to public school. They did a little college. They probably agreed. So they're going to tell you 1619. That's the connecting date with black folks, black Africans coming into the Americas, the wilderness of North America, right? And then you ask them, you say, well, okay, well, um, when DeSoto seen the black Indians in Louisiana, who was it referring to and what happened to him? Because that happened in 1530. See, now you got them. You got to have a couple questions already. Yo, let me show you something, right? We're going to show and prove. 
Let's let's hold up. Let's show and prove. Let's gonna have a real conversation. You know what I'm talking about? Because on this platform, man, look, I can uh you know, I can show you better than I can tell you, right? The the source I'm gonna use today is gonna be called uh the history of Hernando de Soto in Florida or the record of events of fifty six years from fifteen twelve to fifteen sixty eight. This is by Bernard Ship, published in eighteen eighty one. Right. So if you if you're not familiar with this platform, what we typically do is that we bring out sources from the 16th, 17th, 18th and 19th century. We do that on purpose. Because this is the time that you see that this whole narrative that um, all blacks came from Africa, it didn't exist. So we got these explorers and they're just writing what they saw. I can really put a lot of nails in coffins if I knew how to speak and read Spanish. Because, see, when you kind of look at these devils' history, see, the Spanish and Portuguese was over here first. So they get the first dips. Like, so even if I got to read, like, a Spanish explorer or um, Christopher uh, Columbus is Italian, you know, even if I had to read, I had to wait till it was translated in English. But if I can read Spanish, I can just, I could come, you know, hot off the press with it, right? You know what I'm saying? But that's the source we're going to use today. Now, like I do with so many of my videos, I'm going to put the link in the description bar, right? That's why I'm going to put it at. And uh, again, you know, every conversation that we have, the link, the source is in the description box, right? Now, um, I put you in a trick bag. I put you in a figure four headlock when I do that. I just suplex you because you're not arguing with VJ. Big VJ didn't write none of this shit. I'm just reading it to you. And I'm always reading you information that's 200 years old, 300 years old. I didn't invent it. <laughs> I just read it to you. Now I get a cute. Now after I read it to you, somehow the comments is switched towards me again. But yo, I didn't write it now. You know what I'm saying? They, they, Big VJ, you cherry picking. <laughs> Right, we're gonna go to page uh, 472. Right, 472, and it says the number of leagues which the Spaniards travel in Florida and the fight with the Indians of the coast. Right, that, that's what we're gonna read. That the Spaniards penetrated into Florida as far as to the fountains where the Chicago takes its source, the river to ascend from Amenio. Where was made the first embarkment, as far as these fountains, is 300 leagues. And from this providence to the sea, 500. So that there extends altogether the distance of 800 leagues, which our men travel. Right? We're going down to the next paragraph. During the three days that the Spaniards recruited themselves, they saw on the last day about noon, coming from a place full of reeds, Seven boats which advanced towards them. Okay, so now they're giving the POV. They own the ships. They've been kicking it. But the last day, they see ships. Seven boats. Pardon me. Not ships. Seven boats advancing towards them. Coming out of reeds. The reeds, they, that's the old school word for like uh, that grass is high. You know, when you're coming off the coastline, you know, you can imagine this is... uh. Few, few centuries ago, ain't nobody got no damn lawnmowers and nothing like that. So you got all the grasses, you know, um, it ain't, it's no longer knee high. It's higher than that, right? 
So they, they're in the sea and they're noticing seven boats, right? And it's the seven boats are approaching them. Okay, so let's just see who on the boat. There was in the first a very large and very black Indian of an aspect very different from those who inhabit the interior of the country. The barbarians of the coast are black in this manner because the sun is there warmer than elsewhere and because they continually in the water which is salt. For the land being dry and sterile, they were obliged to fish in order to subsist. When the Indian had approached the caravel near enough, he placed himself on the prow of the vessel and in the voice of full heartedness told the Spaniards, according to Blase, Blase, Blase. I can go. It just was a threat after that. They had a small conversation. It was a threat. And then the Indian, the black Indian was saying, yo, we think y'all guys is thieves and robbers and we don't want you around here. That's just summing up in the chest. But look, let's go back a little bit. The way that these explorers identified the very large, he said he was a black Indian. Black Indian. Now, in their synopsis, or I should say in their hypothesis, this kind of see, well, how did he get this black? Maybe it's because he's swimming in the salt water and <laughs> and the sun is burning up on him and this is why he's black. No, 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 that's not why he's black. He's black because he's black. It's a genetic thing, right? But dig, I just want you to just focus on something because listen, the very first time that a person was identified as being black was an indigenous Indian. You gotta, you can't miss that part. Now, the African Negroes is still in Africa. This is not 1619 now. This is, we just, let, let me go back. I want to show you what dates we're working with. The dates that we are working with is from 1512 to 1568, right? So there is no 1619 slave ship, beloved. Now you have to position yourself in mind and say, well, who is this Indian who they will identify and call this person black? Because they're off the coast now. The coast that they're off and they're traveling and visiting is what we today would call the Gulf Coast, right? And we, they're coming around Florida and then they would call it the Atlantic Coast because they're on the backside like where the Carolinas is at. They're noticing that all the people on the coast, they look the same. And then the writer, he makes a difference. He said the what he called our people barbarians. He said the barbarians on the coast, which the black Indians, they look different than the ones in the inland of the country. So now we got two types. The types in the inland look like one way, but the ones on the coast, they look another way. What is the other way they look black? They black Indians. Now, where are these black Indians today? Nobody knows. They just disappeared all of a sudden. I asked the question. Now, Big VJ didn't put black in here. I'm just reading it to you. Now, they're not going to show you this in public school. Black History Month come up. They're going across the Atlantic, and they're going to show you some Negroes from Africa and say these are your people. But I'm asking you as a listener, because you're going to go back and do the research yourself. That's why I put the sources in the link. Who was these black Indians they were talking about? Seven boats of them. Where did they come from? If you, if you don't know, see the first sentence, it says the Spaniards penetrated into Florida as far as to the fountains where the Chicago takes its source. We don't say the Chicago anymore. We say the Mississippi River. 
That's what we call it today. And the Mississippi River is kind of like down there on that backside. We we may say like around New Orleans area. And they come all the way up. I think it ends at like what? Minnesota? Something like that. But from there, from that coastline. now Because they, they're all on what we call today the Gulf Coast. All that coastline coming around Florida. All around to the tip back up to the Atlantic coastline. Everybody there was black Indian. This is who the explorers seen. That's the adjective that they use to describe them black. So again, I have to put this in your mind. The first time that people were called black in the Americas was Indians first. So if you calling yourself black and you from Africa, you the Johnny come lately. Because the first black people that they seen was the Indians first. I didn't say it. He said, it. I'm just reading it to you. Right. So let's continue. We're going to stay in the same book. We're not going nowhere. We're going to stay in the same book. Right. Um, we're going to go to page 82. Right. Same book. Page 82. And uh, let's go down to the. Uh, one, two. Let's do. Let's start at the third paragraph. Right. Because they're talking about, again. The Indians that they encounter on the coastline. And it says they go entirely black, except that about the loins, they wear skins of small animals like martens fastened by the girdle of plated grass, to which they tie all around the body the tails of other animals, hanging down to the knees. All other parts of the body and head are naked. Some wear garlands similar to the bird's feathers. The complexion of these people is black. Not much different from the Ethiopians. The hair is black and thick and not very long. It is worn tied back upon the head in the form of a little tail. In person, they are of good proportions, of middle stature, a little above our own. Broad across the chest, strong in the arms, and well formed in the legs and other parts of the body. The only exception to their good looks is that they have broad faces, but blase, 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 right? You know, we can fill in the blanks. They're not going to talk about nothing after that, but how their eyes are sharp and blase, blase, right? We're talking about the most identifying factor. The complexion of these people is black, not much different from that of the Ethiopians. What do the Ethiopian brothers and sisters look like? You African. <laughs> You African, right? What do your East African brother look like then? You so African, you should know exactly what they look like. They black people. What happened to these black people is what I'm asking you, though. If you ran across a bunch of Indians and they looked like they was black and they had the same skin tone as the Ethiopians, beloved, what happened to them? See, this is the kind of shit that you, when you go on Sonetta's show, you got to show, you got to pull out a source and ask Jabari, okay, what are these people talking about? And can you show me an image of some type of photo so I can kind of, you know, because these people didn't disappear. Just because they was black two, three hundred years ago, that mean they changed it. No, no, no. Show me and show and prove. Can you show me an image? Because you they got images all over Google. If this guy seen Indians that was black and they had the same skin tone as Ethiopians. Okay. Well, can you show me some type of Google image of these people? Can you show me the people today? Like, where are these people today? Because the natives that we see on these reservations, I would never self-identify them as black. Because they don't have the same skin tone as Ethiopians. 
good gracious, man. We just we how many years was Bill Baker over the Cherokee uh tribe? Did he look like he has the skin of Ethiopian? Bill Baker? But see, Jabari would tell Top Cat he's a confused African. How can he be a confused African when Africans know that there was Negroes in America prior to the slave trade? One of the things I've received, I've, see, I've received a lot of emails from, you know, our African-American brothers and sisters, some saying, you know, they're staying. They're not going anywhere. That is their land. And I think it's very important for us to open up the discussion that, you know, not all African-Americans came from Africa. That is one of the greatest fallacies that has happened. We were a global melanated planet, which means we were absolutely everywhere, on every land, in every land, in every country, in every continent, the countries they created. And, you know, there's been so much that's been done because it's a mental reality that, you know, it's a mental world. Uh, there's so much that's been done to corrupt and rewrite the story, especially when you see the pictures of who they say the native Indians were. But, you know, the Americas were actually um, African. It was like Africa. It was a melanated continent, beloveds. And the ones that were taken out looked like you and me. And there are some that were also brought from Africa. And they came and they looked for very specific people from the African continent. But the Americas, there's many of you, beloveds, who you are the native Indians. You are the Native Americans, and that is part of the inheritance that you have been, you know, disenfranchised from. Uh-huh. Yeah, I didn't think we had that clip of the doc over there, huh? <laughs> you ain't know where I was going when I said Africans know. You know, you can ask Africans. Africans know that Negroes in America prior to the slave trade. So what is this doc in Africa? Is she confused? Because here's the real confusion. You in America tell the Negroes that they're from Africa, and then you got a sister in Africa who's a doctor telling her people over there, no, them people was already over there. So which one is? Is she confused too? And if, see, it's, it's, it's just so being comfortable where they have this spirit where they want to tell people who they are. They don't let people self-identify. They're going to tell you who you are. Oh, man, you, you, you a confused African. Man, what kind of shit is that? You think he went to to the, uh, the to the Cherokee reservation, man? That man he couldn't have told me that. I say, well, what is Bill Baker? Are you familiar? I was like, everybody stop right now. This man called me a confused African. Let's stop right now. Somebody pull up the photo of Bill Baker. What is this guy? Is he confused? What is he? Is he confused European? Because this guy was the chief. Now every time a black man or black woman stand up to take their birthright in this country, he's confused. Even the so-called descendants of the red Indian people, they will attack us. Oh man, y'all, uh, you know, you know, this they's trying to steal our culture. Steal our culture, brother, sister, yo, you somebody need to say something to Bill. God damn it, ain't nobody say nothing to Bill. Don't you ever fix your mouth to tell a black man and black woman that we trying to steal Indian we was already here. And if I wanted to pull rank, we started talking about building those mounds, shit, we was here before you. I'm just keeping it real. We was here before we built the mounds. But you got to just let that marinate, though. You got to just. Come on, I, I'm going to get off the Bill Baker thing. But a lot of our people don't even know who Bill Baker is. 
But we're going to continue, right? We're going to continue. We're going to continue. I ain't think we had that clip, though, huh? We're going to go to page 84. We're going to go to page 84. We're going to go down to the first paragraph, right? And um, it's a little long, but I might have to, have to jump around a little bit. It said, we sail from this place, continuing to coast along the shore, which we found stretching out to the east. The inhabitants being numerous, we saw everywhere a multitude of fires. All right, so. They moving around this coastline. What coastline, Big VJ, are they moving around? These folks are moving around the Gulf of Mexico, coming all the way around the tip of Florida, back up towards the Carolinas, right? They constantly running into these Indians who they classify as black people. They're like, yo, this dude is black. So they're still making their rounds, right? We're going to go down a few sentences, right? We're going to talk about the young sailor and what happened when the young sailor got off the ship. A young sailor was attempting to swim ashore through the surf to carry them some knickknacks. Now, now what's going on is just they the ship is so far at sea, they can't necessarily get it too close because there was no way to dock the ship. And if they if they got it too close to the inland, they can tear up the ship that way. Now, coincidentally enough, they told you they brought um, you know, what they say, 10 million slaves over here. I, I they guess. All of a sudden, they found some way to dock a ship all the time then. But when they just exploring the land, they couldn't even pull the ship to the mainland. There was no dock. There was no port there. Right. But that could be explained the way maybe they built the port later, whatever. OK. But those ports not there today. We can't go to nowhere on the East Coast of America and say this is the old school slave port. This is the old school. It doesn't exist. But maybe that's a different story for a different day. Right. Even the first location that they give you in Jamestown, Virginia, you know, if you go out there, the first thing you look for is the port. Like, well, OK, where do they put the ship at? Nobody know. It's just they don't even have to really explain this stuff. You as an American Negro, you're not going to ask no questions anyway. They're not even going to explain. Maybe that's a different story for a different day. When these devils was trying to, they couldn't get the ship so close. So what happened is they let out like 25 men. And a young sailor, he jumping out the boat because he got some trinkets and gifts that he wanted to give to these natives that he see on shore. But while he was getting off, the, he kind of got caught in the current a little bit. And we're going to continue to pick up the read and see what happened, right? A young sailor was attempting to swim ashore through the surf to carry them some knickknacks. Them, he's talking about the Indians. As little bells, looking glasses, and other trifles. When he came near three or four of them, he tossed the things to them. He's talking about he tossing these trinkets and these gifts to these Indians. And turned about to go back to the boat. But he was thrown over by the waves. And so dashed by them that he lay as though he were dead upon the beach. When these people saw him in that situation, these people, the Indians, they ran and took him up by the head, legs and arms and carried him to a distance from the surf. The young man finding himself born off in this way, uttered very loud shrieks in fear and dismay. So now he's hurt. He's injured. He fell out on that beach. Those Indians came and picked him up and they pulling him back ashore. See, now this young devil, he coming to himself. He, so he's tripping out. He's he's fussing. He's yelling. He's shouting because he's in fear. Now he's thinking it's over with. Right. He thinking it, it's going to go down. While they answered as they could in their language, showing him that he had no cause of fear. So he's acting out rape. 
and they're trying to calm the dude down. No, man, you devil, you good. We not going to, you know, we going to let you go. We, we just trying to help you out. So let's see what the Indians did after they got the young sailor and they poured him all the way onto shore. Afterwards, they laid him down at the foot of a little hill. When they took his shirt and trousers off, they examined him, making sure he's all right, expressing the greatness, astonishment at the whiteness of his skin. So they can pull up his shirt and everything. They say, he a real devil. They say, man, this dude is a whole devil. Let's continue. Our sailors in the boat, seeing a great fire made up and their companion placed very near it, full of fear, as is usual in all cases of novelty, Imagine that the natives were about to roast him. So they thought, so the first thing that these devils in the ship thought was worst case scenario. They seen all these, what we would call today, campfires. They seen all these campfires off the shore. They seen the young sailor, he's in the hands, he's in the control and jurisdiction of these Indians. And they're thinking immediately they finna take him and barbecue this dude. They finna roast him. So they're thinking the worst, right? Because it says that they're thinking that the natives are going to roast them for food. So they're thinking these folks are cannibals. But let's continue. But as soon as he had recovered his strength after a short stay with them, showing by signs that he wished to return abroad. So he's pointing to the ship. Now, I want to go back to the ship. They hugged him. Who was they? These are the Indians. They hugged him with a great affection and accompanied him to the shore. Then leaving him that he might feel more secure. They withdrew, they the Indians, to a little hill from which they watched him until he was safe in the boat. Now, let's see what the sailor had to say. This young man remarked that these people were black. Black like who? Black like the others. That they had shining skins, middle stature, and sharper faces, and very delicate bodies and limbs. And that they were inferior in strength, but quick in their minds. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's stop. We got to have a conversation. This young man remarked that these people, what these people were he talking about? The natives. What did he say that the natives looked like when he got back to the boat? He said it was black. Black like who? Black like the others. Who was the others? They was the ones that had the same complexion as the Ethiopians. So they going up and down this coastline. Now they're on the Atlantic coast, all the way around to the Gulf Coast, from the Gulf Coast back to the Atlantic coast, however, however you want to slice and dice it, that's the location. And they keep running to all these people that look the same and they all black. So you mean to tell me that the English devil got to the Americas in 1608 and made his first colony? which is essentially 60, 70 years later. And he didn't see no, what they, there was no black, there was no more black Indians all of a sudden. They was gone. They often disappeared. What happened to him? Like what happened to him? He said, yo, the sailor said, yo, these folks was black like the others. But they never told you that they, see, so now you got to put it in context. The first time that somebody in the Americas, in the wilderness of North America, because I got to drive this home if I don't drive nothing home. The first people in the wilderness of North America who were identified as black was the Indians. If you are African and calling yourself black in America, you are Johnny come lately. Because the first people, not the second or the third, the first, 
that was identified as black was the indigenous Indians. This is a source. They can't change it. Red people going to be mad that you can read this. Want to be Afro Negroes want to be mad that you can read this, but it ain't, it ain't, it's what it is. It's the truth. We didn't write it. We just reading it. Every, this is the Atlantic coast. This is the Gulf coast. These folks, beloved, they didn't disappear, man. They didn't just jump up and disappear. They didn't, it doesn't work that way. What happened to the people? Could you show me? See, you always have to ask for a photo or image. Can you show me anybody on the reservation today that I can point out and I would say he's black? Show it to me. Show me your so-called red Indian nation when I can go to any, any reservation in this country. Show me the people that's going to pass for black. Because the only folks I know on the reservation that can pass for black is black folks. <laughs> I asked a brother that one time because the, there was a different set of explorers. They identified the people in California. They said, man, they looked at like Africans. How can an Indian look like an African? I said, well, brother, show me a picture of who you're talking about. He sent me a picture of two high yellow red Indian nation women. No, I don't confuse them from Africans. That's not what an African looked like. No, no, no. We ain't going to play that game. The explorer was so detailed in California. He said, man, they had the nose and the lips and they looked at just like Africans. But then he started talking about the hair. He didn't say it was straight. Matted and bushy. Do you know what matted and bushy? So what? this is what I'm saying, though. When you go to these platforms, beloved, you have to already know. You got to know this, man. When, when it's time for question time, this is the question I want to ask you. Okay, well, who was the people that Verrazano came in contact with then? That he identified as being black. Who is them? Because you, you finna give me some 16, 19. You finna, you finna give me the um the bootleg jingle. You know what I'm saying? You finna give me that bootlicker conversation. I ain't finna do the boot. I'm not finna play no game. We ain't finna do no bootlicking conversations. If I'm showing you a source and they seen and they identify Indians and they calling the Indians black. I'm not calling the Indians black. You're not calling the Indians black. The writers did it. We got nothing to do with that now. So if I read it to you, well, who is these folks then? You can't show me no high yellow red Indian guy on the reservation. Oh, he was talking about him. Man, I had one dude try to tell me, he said, man, they had body paint on. I was like, body paint? <laughs> you know what I asked him when he told me that? Cause he, cause the guy that asked him that, he's a so-called Indian right now, right? He, he's off a reservation. I said, man, what tribe are you in? He told me the tribe. I said, y'all went body paint today? <laughs> no, we ain't went body paint today. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> when did you stop your custom? Let me, let me hold on one second. Let me. You know, like I said, goddamn, y'all rain dancing and everything else. When y'all stop putting the body paint on? <laughs> Uh, that body paint was so strong. Check this out. They got that good body paint. When the Indians came and got that devil out the water, that young sailor, when they came and got him out the water, it didn't even wash off. But see, this is why you got to hit him with this, because this is how you kill that, that body paint conversation, right? Because, you know, you know the, right, the, right, the writer say, he say, man, he said, it must be in that salt water or something. They in that salt water in that sun all day. You know what I'm saying? Because these shows got down. These Indians, they damn show black. 
then he made a distinction that they they don't look like the ones in the in the interior of the country they, they look different right but um at that particular time when he was making that statement he was in the gulf of mexico so you know we got family members all over the country in the wilderness of north america when we talk about the american negro you know we got family down in pensacola uh we got family in biloxi we got family in mobile we got family in galveston we got family in um we got family in, in new orleans and uh and saint charles and all these places and they they swimming in the gulf of mexico every other day ain't turned them black <laughs> they turned them black <laughs> I'm gonna leave you with this, beloved, right? Because you gotta have your bullets together when you talk to these Afrocentric guys. We're gonna read real quick the Atlantic Journal and the Friend of Knowledge. This is uh this is by Raphanique. And um of course this is also wrote in the 1800s. And uh, there's a method to that. I always use the uh the 1800s, right? Um I'm going to go to page, um, we're going to go to page 86. This source too will also be in the description bar. And I'm just going to read one point. It's going to be point 11. And it says the, uh, the black Indians met by the Spaniards in Louisiana in 1543. See Soto's invasion, right? That's what we just had a conversation about. We just went over it in detail, but that's what we had a conversation about. So there was no pain. So you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. This is it. We call this the figure four on Real Black Content Forum Podcast. It's like this is the headlock. This is the figure four. This is the sleeper. You know, back in the day when um, you had an opponent, he thought he was, he was making a move and you put him in that yoke. And then the referee, he pulled that arm up once and then he put it up again twice. It keep falling down. And it's over where he sleep. <laughs> you ain't put buddy to sleep. When you talk to these conscious guys that's in the Afrocentric community, you got to have at least five questions loaded that you know is going to put them in that figure four. Right? And then you also, you can't use any black sources when you talk to them because they don't, they don't, you know, there's no respect for their own people. You know, I, I watched the Top Cat guy. I mean, they was looking at him like he was crazy. They was asking the guy how he was indigenous. He started naming his family. He's like, okay, my family say this, my family say that. And, um, you know, he's like, I go five or six generations back. And he was just kind of giving a spill. And then Sonetta come back and say, well, how did you, you, that didn't prove nothing. You didn't prove it. And I just, I just like, man, you know, there was a man, that man, um, he left a lot of meat on that, on that plate. Because there was a lot of gotcha moments where he could have just got him and I'm like, yo, you know, it's kind of like a weird dynamic. If you say that you are indigenous, you got to just go prove this and prove that. But these guys, millions of them are talking about the African. They can't prove that. Now, one of these single guys can prove that they're from Africa. Just not happening, beloved. They're not doing what they do. They pull out this DNA test. And I'm, I'm going to show you something real quick because I, I, it's important that I share this with the family. Because when y'all guys, you, you go to Ancestry.com and all that. You got to know what you're looking at. I'm going to do my best to explain what you're looking at. But I want to say this. I don't want to get on. Um, I don't want to necessarily say that this DNA thing is a hoax. Because what it is is that when you look at where they're going with it, 
you got to get his so-called white man some credit. When he begins something, he keep working and working and working and working and working until he perfected. These DNA services, probably by 2060, in my estimate, if they get it where they're trying to get it, it's going to redefine how we see race. Man, it's going to change up a whole lot. You know, once they kind of get it going, it's going to change up a whole lot. I think it's maybe like 1% right now. But once they get it going, because they're going, they, they going to steady, steady work on it, it's going to, again, change up the way that we view race in this country, right? Because it's going to show a different story, right? Now, I, I want to do my best in explaining this part. There was a part of the video that Sonetta, he put up his... um. He put up his uh, DNA test, right? And I think it says something like, and I, I could be wrong. It says something like 6% Native American. And then it said like um, 10% South European something. And then it said like 50 some percent West African, right? And um, to me, that was a gotcha moment, right? Uh, I think I looked at Pharrell's. Ancestry.com test. It was kind of similar. It was like 4% or 6% Native American. And then it was like, I don't know, it's like 8 or 9% something else. And then it's like 50 some percent uh, West African. Right. And it was another gentleman's who tests I've seen. It was all the same. But all these guys have about 5 or 6% Native American. Then it's 10. But what, let's go into Sonetta. Uh, but for the sake of conversation, we're going to go with what Sonetta had. Right. I just want to point something out. I want you to. So you guys will be able to fully identify what's going on when you see these DNA tests, right? Okay. Um, the way these tests is constructed, it's an ancestry test, right? You're going back in your history. You're talking about your ancestors. Now, they advertise that they could go back a thousand years, but we know they're not going back no thousand years, right? Then they also have companies that advertise 500 years. So they're doing anywhere between three to five hundred years, right? You know, give or take. And um, what they can actually do is they can, you know, through DNA, they can kind of match you up with other people that took the test and you can find lost relatives. So it's some accuracy in it, right? It's some accuracy in it. Now, there was a part that everybody started pulling out the West African results. If you know your history, that could be easily explained away because. You can't see see Top Cat. He he didn't. He, he, he again. He he left some food on that plate, man. You know. He talked about the American Colonization Society all day long, and then when he came back for DNA time, he didn't connect those dots. Yo, they sent thousands of our people, American Negroes, from the wilderness of North America to West Africa. This happened over two hundred years ago, right? So you can't come back. In our time today and say, look, you know, you pinging with somebody, you got a match from somebody, you know, genetic match from somebody that's in West. Of course I do. You pull in. I'm an American Negro and it just so happened that all of my matches is going to be in West Africa where you guys sent thousands of American Negroes at. We supposed to be in Liberia. Right. But during that civil war in the 80s, that native African got so jealous of black Americans balling over there in Liberia, they tore the whole country down. So we began to spread as a people over there. We was under siege. We ran all over West Africa. He could have easily said that, but I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to give you something else. 
even though that's actual factual, and that can explain why you got so many matches as an American Negro in West Africa, I'm going to do you one better, right? I'm going to show you what the DNA test says since everybody going on the DNA test. And again, we're going to talk about Sinetis. The only thing that we got to concentrate on and learn is what is the original marker for Native American? What is the original marker for Europe? Right? We got to get that drilled down. So let me explain the numbers to you. Right? I got to explain the numbers to you. If you got a DNA test, beloved, and it says you 6% Native American and you 10% uh, European and then you 50% African or West African, that's who you are today, family. That's who you are today. That's not who you were, though. You get it? See, the way the test works is that, and they didn't know this. See, this is the part that, it, obviously, Henry Gates didn't tell them this part. Uh, Kittles didn't tell them this part neither, right? The bigger number, when you look at these ancestry uh, DNA tests, the bigger number is the most recent admixture. Who you are historically is the smaller numbers because that's the smallest admixture. That's who you are. That's the original bloodline. So if you see a test that says 6% Native American, and then it say 2% or pardon me, it said 10% uh, Southeast European, whatever some other had, right? That in essence is saying he was originally Native American first. That's why you see the 6%. Then that got mixed in with some, some devils from Europe. That's where the 10%. And then his most recent admixture is the West African blood. See, that's what the, that's how you read that test. That's why those numbers in the past, see, it's not a today window. It's a 300 to 500 year window. That was the got you moment that Top Cat's supposed to jump on. Right then he's supposed to say, oh, no, no, no. Boom, I got you, brother. You see, it say Native American, 6%. But see, our people don't even know that. We're looking at these big ass numbers. We're like, oh, look, 53%. See, I'm African, brother. I told you. No, 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 no. That's who you is today, beloved. But we're talking about people groups. We're talking about ancestry. That's different. That's who you is today. That's your most recent admixture. That's why the number's so big. But when you go to that 6%, you got to go back in time. And, and while you're going back generation, 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 that recent admixture of Africa is falling off now. Because that's why the number is so big. It's recent. Y'all, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to explain it to you like this, right? I, I need the family to, to focus in on what I'm saying. And I want you to walk with me now because a lot of you guys is taking these ancestry tests. And I'm doing my best to explain it in regular words how you read the numbers, right? I'm gonna give you a um, I'm gonna give you an equation, and I'm gonna, this is how it kind of the test kind of works, right? This is to give you the gist of it. I'm a black man. I'm an original man, right? So let's say on the DNA test, I'm 100% black man, right? We know black don't exist and all this and all that. We ain't trying to get technical. I'm just having a conversation. Let's say I'm 100% black man for DNA purposes. I'm 100%, right? And my wife is Asian. She's a yellow woman. She's 100%. When we have a child together, I'm going to donate 50% of my genetics and she's going to donate 50% of her genetics. So then our child, our son, is going to be 50% black, 
he's going to be 50% Asian, 50% yellow, right? Now, let's say my son, he goes and he marries an Asian woman, right? He's then going to give, because he's mixed, so he's going to give 25% of his black side, 25% of his Asian side, because he only can give 50%. Right, because this is how we do in parenting. You give 50%, I give 50%. So he's going to give 50% of himself, which is 25% Asian and 25% black. But the woman, he, she's 100% Asian again. She's giving 50% Asian deposit. So after that, that child, if you looked at the numbers, is going to be 25% black and 75% Asian. The reason why the Asian number is going to be bigger, family, because it is the most recent admixture. That's the only reason why. So if my grandson come along and he's saying, man, I'm a black man from America. We're the original people of the planet. You know what I'm saying? This and then the third. Look, the people in China or Japan or wherever he's living, they can't say, well, prove it. Take an ancestry test. And he takes an ancestry test. And the results come back and say, look, you 75% Asian. You just 25% black. That's who he is today. That's who my grandson would be today. But if he's talking about his ancestry, his people, he's going back in time. That means he's going to come all the way back to me, which is 100%, and everybody behind me is 100% now. He's describing his whole family. That's what, because of the recent admixture, that's why the number is so small. That's what they're not going to tell you. That's why you just can't be jumping on these platforms. You got to know where they're going to go before they go. Man, you could have never show me no 6% shit. Why the H O ass up? <laughs> Family, stay tuned, man. I, I, I got a lot more I want to discuss, but I just don't want to hold nobody too long. I'll try not to, man. But look, make drop a comment. Send us the top cat. Reach out to the Aboriginal family. Send us to all the family that you know getting these DNA tests because they're not reading these numbers right. That's who you are today. But when we talk in history, we got to talk about who your people is and where they from. And that information is going to be found yesterday, not today. You dig? Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for hanging out, man. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, man, this is Real Black Power to the Small Podcast, man. Big VJ. I'll get it with you guys later. Peace.